At 4ZZZ we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging of the Turbul and Jagera people. We acknowledge that their sovereignty over this land was never ceded. And we stand in solidarity with them. You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. Amplifying the trans and gender non-conforming voices of Brisbane and beyond. Good morning, Mianjin. You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. My name is Ez. I use he, him pronouns. Transmission, all about amplifying the voices of the trans community. And uh, I usually talk about the week in community events. Also... I don't know, news, things going around. Maybe I'll talk about some stuff going on in my own life. Who knows? I don't know. Just kind of... <laughs> it's my show. I'll do what I like. All right. So uh, let's start off with the week in community events. Obviously, it's that time of year, whether you love it or hate it. It is just... It is what it is, people. And But there's lots of stuff for the trans community and queer folk. So Rainbow Craft at Carindale Library on Thursday, 21st of December from 3 p.m. till 7 p.m. This is a free and all-ages event. Join us at Carindale Library Market Space, uh, Makerspace for a relaxed afternoon of crafting, sewing, and art with other LGBTQA plus people and allies. Whether you bring along your own project or use some of the community supplies, you can sit back and relax or participate in a mini induction for the sewing machines or overlockers so you can use them as well. This group will be run on the third Thursday of every month, so this is going through to 2024. Some of the activities you can participate in are making custom t-shirts and patches, learning to sew a tote bag, Learn to use sewing patterns. Make your own sticks and paper crafts using the Brothers Scan and Cutout. Or just do some colouring in with some good company. There's loads of things you can do. And if you'd like to know more info about the Makerspace at Carindale, that library out there, you can check out the Carindale Library page on the Queensland Government website. So yeah, there's lots to know. It's also Rainbow Craft. If you look it up on Facebook, you should be able to find that event. Also... There's also, same day, on Thursday, 21st of December, if you're not up for arts and crafts over this period, maybe, you know, you want something a little bit more physical, a little bit more exciting. I mean, it's sweaty, you know, the weather. Rainbow Christmas Skate Party at Skateaway in Albany Creek from 5pm till 8pm this Thursday, 21st of December. It's 15 bucks plus blade hire. Well, you can just pay at the door when you get there. Celebrate with chosen family and friends at a super relaxed, cheerful and festive skating event. There are also some prizes up for grabs, like a $100 Skateaway Albany Creek voucher. There's a pair of Impala skate rollerblades that you can get, plus there are loads of free giveaways at the session as well. There's also going to be some market stalls, so there's going to be other LGBTQA plus focused support organizations like Willis Crochet, Puff Wings, Etsy, Gay Skate Merch, Queensland Council for LGBTI Health will also be there, Free Mum Hugs Australia, as well as parents of transgender and gender diverse kids and teens. We've had a lot of these people on transmission over the many months that we've been on air, so it's going to be like a really nice, wholesome time. So that's, yeah, this Thursday, 21st of December at Skateaway. They'd love to see you, and you can also dress up in some holiday costumes if you like. Or you could also just rock up in your PJs, because why not? It's a lot of fun. Now, if you're not into the Christmas spirit, per se, but you're into more of a Krampus kind of Christmas, then uh, look no further than this Friday, the 22nd of December from 6pm. It's completely free entry, and it's free for all the community at the cave-in. Well, shucks, y'all asked for it. 
Or, more to the point, we asked for it. Who'd have thought summoning an avatar of Krampus for a trick into playing keyboard last year would have had any conspicuous... Any consecutive... Oh my gosh, I'm destroying this script. Um, certainly not us. Krampus is back. Thus, we're faced with a conundrum. Banish the wayward Yuletide demon once more, or Christmas is cancelled. Coal and everyone's pudding. Unreasonably stiff Santa hats... Small fires in car parks. Absolute calamity. So here's the go. Bushed babes. A bushed as. Krampus bash. Krampus strikes back at the cave in. Friday, 22nd of December. Obviously, you know, there's pizzas at the cave in. There's beers. There's a great art space. Performing upon this eve. Day prior to the festival flip out. You shall bear witness to the magnificent, poetic, and musical stylings of Suze, Junebug, Danny WX, Andy Payne, Starvation Orchestra, Keystone, and of course bushed poetry. Granted, none of the members have been kidnapped by Krampus, of course. So yeah, check that out. 6pm at the cave-in. It sounds like a stellar lineup. It's completely free. And, you know, if you hate Christmas, just give it the finger and go to the cave-in. Why not? There's also, if you're looking for a different vibe, at Jagra Art Centre, Good Boog, Friday 22nd of December from 6pm as well. Uh, we're back for round two, and this time it's summer solstice, and we want to send you, send the year out with you with a boog. Good Boog is a queer-topian alien dance party to get your body wriggling and your senses tingling. Come join us at our far-off planet of the goodest of boogs and celebrate the most important person in the world. You! That's right, you, dear listener. There is a killer lineup of tantalizing talent awaiting you. All you have to do is dance the night away. At 6pm, there'll be Sunset Yoga at Highgate Hill Park, and then from 9pm at Jagger Hall, you'll be transported to another world. So yeah, there's tickets, uh... 25 bucks for unwaged tickets. There's $30 just waged. And there's a sliding scale for First Nations and trans people of color. It's 40 bucks on the door. So um, if you can get them online, you should definitely do that. So yeah, good boog. All one word. Boog, B-O-O-G. Yeah, lots of stuff happening. Take care of yourselves during this period. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to go into some news. Hollywood star Kate Blanchett has partnered with University of Southern California to... Uplift stories created by women, trans, and non-binary people in the film industry, which is really cool. The Oscar-winning actor who has starred in acclaimed LGBTQ dramas such as Carol and Tar in recent years launched the Proof of Concept Accelerator program alongside the co-founder of her independent film company, Dirty Films, Coco Francini, and Dr. Stacey L. Smith, who founded the Annaberg Inclusion Initiative. The initiative has also been received backing from Netflix from Netflix's fund for creative equality. So there you go. There's to be some more news on that related to Kate Blanchett trying to get more women, trans and non-binary folk directors behind the camera as well and not just on screen. So there's some movement there. Also, Cricket Australia has confirmed that there is no plans to bow to anti-trans rhetoric and exclude transgender athletes from competing in the division that aligns with their gender. There has been some pushback from the International Cricket Council. They would like to be introducing these new gender eligibility regulations, which basically restrict transgender athletes. We're not about that. And neither is Cricket Australia, which is great. So um, they're trying to, they're following in the footsteps of other global sports federations like the International Swimming Federation, World Rugby, World Athletics, and World Cycling. The ICC announced last month that, that any athlete who have been through male puberty would not be permitted to compete in the international women's games. However, the decision was yet another blow to our community, but Cricket Australia has now pledged 
to keep domestic competitions inclusive of trans athletes while they continue to navigate all the space. Yeah, we've got solidarity from Cricket Australia, which is really wonderful. Yeah, they're not the only ones, but that's good stuff. Anyway, I've got a wonderful guest. Um, we're going to be chatting about a book. Yeah, you haven't had the, heard this guest on 4ZZZ yet on Transmission, so I'm really excited. Amplifying the voices of the trans and gender non-conforming community of Mianjin, Brisbane and beyond. Transmission on 4ZZZ brings you the latest in trans community news, music and events. Every Tuesday from 9am till 10am, join our team of hosts for an hour of celebrating the unique perspectives of the trans community. Transmission, Tuesday mornings from 9am till 10am on 4ZZZ. Hello, hello, you're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. Ah, we've got a special guest in the studio this morning. I should introduce myself. My name is Ez. I use he, him pronouns. And how are you? Hey, I'm Bet. I use she, they pronouns. Awesome. Cool. How you doing? Oh, I'm really good. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to chat about a book, yeah. I believe. Yes. That's right. We're here to chat about this book. No one else can see it, but you can see yeah, it. Yeah, wow. Cool. It looks great, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it looks kind of dry. It's, um, it's called Trans Kids by Tay Meadow. And to me, this is the most kind of in-depth book about the topic that I've read. Yeah, right. And I've read quite a few at this stage. And so this is, um, what's the centre focus? Um, Other than trans kids, I guess, is probably the centre focus. Well, look, it, it was written as a dissertation, to be honest, for, for Tay Meadows' PhD in sociology. So it's kind of looking at the emergence of what Meadow refers to as kind of a new subculture which is trans kids. Now, obviously, she knows that trans kids have existed for forever, but this is kind of the first time in history in the last couple of decades that they've been affirmed on such a wide kind of basis. Yeah, so, right. And so she's looking at how that affects society, but she's also looking very deeply at how that's happening. And, you know, she interviews uh, parents, kids, physicians. She it kind of embeds herself with advocacy groups. So it's, yeah, it's like a... It's kind of thought-provoking in a way that a lot of other books on this topic aren't. But yeah, right. I did want to say what it's not, though, and recommend something for people who are looking for a different sort of book, which is kind of a how-to guide for if you're a parent of a trans kid or if you're a physician. I think there's a really great book that would cover that that's called Transgender Children and Youth, and it's by Elijah Neely. That's N-E-A-L-E-Y, everyone. So Neely is a trans man and a social worker and he's worked with trans families, you know, families of trans kids and with trans kids. And that one is just full of great advice and it's kind of step by step and it's easy to read. So this book is not that. This is more for, <clears throat> I kind of think of it as the antidote to the whole um, so-called rapid onset gender dysphoria narrative and all of that crap. Oh yeah, right. This is kind mm -hmm. of, if, if, say if there's a trans kid listening right now and your parents aren't quite on board and those parents happen to be good at reading books because this is actually a pretty difficult book to read <laughs> right given this if you've got intelligent parents but who aren't quite on board with the whole transgender thing then they may be able to fathom this book and they may be able to understand and by the end of it they might be converts i think yeah right which is which is the aim that's right <laughs> but yeah it's not an easy book and mm. i guess i just want to get that straight from the start it's like okay. an, it's an in-depth study it, it was six years of research that it took Tay Meadow to write the book and she kind of goes on a journey while she's telling the story too she, she doesn't say a whole lot about her gender except that she's what she calls gender non-conforming but she doesn't make a big deal out of that but 
it sort of comes up throughout the narrative and you realize that she's questioning a whole lot while she's writing the book and it's actually quite moving like this book actually made me cry a few times, which oh, wow. doesn't happen with PhD dissertations very often. <laughs> <laughs> this PhD dissertation made me cry. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, from you know, like frustration <laughs> usually, probably. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, otherwise, so it's mostly educational and it comes from like a research-based approach. That's right. I mean, she, she quotes studies in there, you know, but it's also a study in and of itself. So... She's mostly interviewing parents and physicians. She's kind of more observing the kids, although there are some interviews with kids in there. But I like to think of it, it's kind of like the antidote to that horrible book, Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier, which is way more famous because that book is kind of like a tabloid newspaper and it's really easy to read and it, it kind of does the thinking for you. This is a book where you go on a journey, you meet a whole lot of people, and you ask a lot of questions and you come out of it kind of with a, you know, Meadow even asks some questions that are difficult questions, maybe that some trans people might not be entirely comfortable with. So I want to get that up front too. It's like, it's a very exploratory book and it doesn't always, you know, she speaks to Dr. Kenneth Zucker. Do you know of no. Kenneth Zucker? So Ken Zucker was a really infamous um a psychologist who worked in Toronto at the gender clinic there and that clinic got shut down in about 2015 and Zucker lost his job and this was because of a lot of trans people who complained that he was doing conversion therapy and he was doing that but he was also one of the first doctors to prescribe blockers in North America Um, but he had a very rigid kind of view of who could be allowed through the gates. If right, you know what yes. I mean. So his gatekeeping things. Yeah, mm. and so Meadow interviews him and kind of... I think if most trans people interviewed Ken Zucker, <laughs> it would be a pretty combative interview, you know. But but in this case, she lets him have his say and she's kind of on the fence about him. She She kind of respects him, but she doesn't agree with him kind of thing. So it's... I keep saying this, but it's a complex book and it makes you think. Yeah, right. Do you think as a as a trans person reading this, does it did it provide you any insights about it? Did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let me I've got some notes here and I've written a few quotes, but like f- for one thing early on she says in the book that gender is an interactive process which is constantly in negotiation among individuals. So oh. it's interactive, right? And and that made and I was that sounded so much like how I think of it. Like I've often said to especially my cis friends, I'll thank them kind of for affirming my gender and they'll be like, Oh, what are you talking about? You know, it's nothing and I'll be like, No, you don't understand, like, this is a collaboration. Like, if you don't affirm my gender, if no one does, if it's just me, then it's not gonna die but it's not going to flourish either. And I know that because, like, I was in the closet for 30 years. So when you don't affirm your gender, it doesn't go away, but, like, it doesn't grow either. And and then she goes on to, again, she talks about her own gender and how doing this study she felt observed and her gender got out of her control because she's got this kind of non-normative gender presentation and the kids would want her to be trans. If if the kids thought she was trans, then they would trust her more, right? But some parents didn't want to be her to be trans because if she was trans, she might be this kind of bad influence, some sort of kind of so-called trans activist or something. So yeah, right. she realized that 
your gender is not in under your control, right? Like everyone it's perception. else. Yeah, yeah, everyone else has a little stake in it as well. And it's disruptive. So you can disrupt society. You know, these kids are disrupting society by just being themselves, basically. And that is really inspiring to me, actually, because I often say, you know, so I'm a disability support worker. I should have said that up front. And I work with trans and gender diverse youth mostly. And, I, you know, a lot of these people are very isolated and not really in touch with the queer community. And I often say to them, you know, like, you actually have a superpower, like we have a superpower. And y- 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 the, our enemies wouldn't fear us so much if we weren't powerful, right? Like, we can change the world just by being ourselves. And this book kind of, I mean, it's like I said, it's a kind of a sociological study on why and how we're changing the world in a way yeah it's quite revolutionary really and it's also you know um it's a it's a political statement to just exist totally (laughs) these days yeah you know and the best way to change the world is to change your own because it people people approach that in different ways and they perceive you differently based on how you are experiencing and living your life yeah well you know just to go off topic for a little bit Before I kind of finally faced up to the fact that I was trans and that I had to transition, I spent some time doing climate activism, and that was a great thing to do. But I came out of it feeling a little helpless. And then I kind of have realized that, for now at least, I'm going to start more from something very personal. I, I feel like like time's running out for society in a way, and if we don't all start being ourselves pretty quickly, then we don't really have a chance. And I think that trans kids are kind of the most radical. They're at the fore. Like, I mean, I didn't, tr- I didn't transition because of older trans people. Like, I give thanks to those trailblazers. But I transitioned because I started seeing younger people doing it, and I was super inspired. Hmm. It's amazing how we don't always see like young people or like people younger than us as that influence until they are. You know. Yeah. Well, like it was a new thing for me to when my heroes started being younger than me and I mean significantly younger than me you know like 20 years younger than me yeah and I'd be like oh my god like look at what this person's doing isn't this amazing look at them subvert all the stuff and <laughs> yeah <nah. laughs> and it's great I mean I didn't I I mostly knew about my gender from older people older trans folk in the community because I wasn't in a space where there were trans people my yeah, age or right. younger so I always saw older trans people and I was like wow that's so cool how you can do that and i just i just always thought it was so cool from a distance i just didn't realize that that was something that i needed to explore yeah it's funny isn't it because yeah i used to think it was pretty cool too but i didn't join the dots (laughs) yeah the dots always join for everyone when they're meant to you know well (laughs) i I actually know why i didn't join the dots and i was going to bring that up as a disclaimer at the start and just say this is a very personal topic for me trans kids like because i was born in the 1970s and where I was from, which was the Adelaide Hills and rural Tasmania, you couldn't be a trans kid. Like, it wasn't actually possible. And you couldn't discuss being a trans kid because no one even knew that trans kids existed. And there wasn't the language to discuss it either. What is the word trans then, you know, yeah. as well? Well, it didn't even exist for for people back then anyway. You know, I remember trans women being called female impersonators when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> And there, and unfortunately, that that language and that rhetoric still exists in some places. Yeah, well, some people haven't grown out of the seventies, have they? Yeah, or turned on the television, <laughs> <laughs> or own one maybe. But is that? Do you think that 
Sorry, I'm trying to loop it back to Transkit yeah, with yeah, Tay so Meadows. Yeah, I've got more, thing to say, more things to yeah, say. Yeah, no, please, this. please. <laughs> no, keep going, though. I was just going <laughs> to say that, like, it's it's interesting how, you know, there's so much trans literature now as well, and so many different kinds of fiction to non-fiction experiences that you can have where you're, you know, you can absorb yourself in trans media and trans culture. Yeah, yeah. And um, there is actually quite a lot of it out there now. Yeah, well, another thing I forgot to mention was I used to be a, a novelist, like a semi-successful novelist back in my 20s. Ooh. So I do read a lot, and yeah, I've read... I've only really read books either by or about trans people for the last three years, and I mean, that I don't have access to them all either, but y- there are a lot out there. There's also a site that I discovered recently. I think it's just called Trans Reads. Okay. And there's all these PDFs uploaded there for free that you can read. Trans Reads, I'm typing it out. We're doing yeah, it. I think that's it. Oh, yeah, wow, transreads.org. So, Tay Meadows' book, Trans Kids, is on there. If you, And it's also available through the Brisbane Library. Wow, this is a really cool website. I know, it's amazing. It's like most it? popular anthologies, popular fiction, non-fiction, queer and trans-Palestine. Yeah. Wow. All right, now we're talking. Yeah. Right, I'm, uh, if anyone wants to know the website we're talking about, it's transreads.org. Completely free uh, service. A bunch of books on here. Heaps of, and for, completely for free. Oh, and just <laughs> while we're on the topic of novels, yeah. and then I'm getting back to the topic, yeah, yeah. a great <laughs> novel to read, it's pretty dark though, trigger warnings, is Manhunt, and I forget oh, the author. Oh, yes, I just finished reading that. <laughs> Gretchen, Gretchen... Oh, Gretchen Felker Martin. Fel- Fel- Martin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, hysterical. There's a show before, in this studio that we're in currently, a little, little tidbit for the little fact for 4 Z listeners, the studio that I'm in right now is the studio that DIY have, and we kind of like rotate between Studio 1, Studio 2, and we do like these handovers. And so the, the show that's actually before transmission... On air is Zedgeist. However, if you were to know which studio was in, I'm in, the, st- the show before me was DIY, who's a young trans femme, Evie, who's just got a new announcer called Lexi, who's come on, and she's just got her manhunt for Christmas. Oh, cool. Uh, I was like, oh, here's a book you got to read, and I just finished it. <laughs> what a ride. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to save that for we'll another episode. Talk- yes, manhunt. It's actually probably like a must read, yeah. a trans must read. <laughs> yeah, it's like the trans zombie apocalypse. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Shall I open yeah. up another can of worms now or leave it for uh, us? Actually, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ, Amplifying the Voice of the Trans Community. <laughs> Bet and I are chatting about books. We're in particular talking about Trans Kids by Tay Meadows. But we're talking about lots of things, including, yeah, just trans <laughs> life stuff. You Shooting know. the shit. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Shooting the shit. How many genders are there? I don't know. I just got here. You're listening to Transmission on 4 Triple Z. My name is Ez. I use he, him pronouns. And I'm hanging out in studio with my lovely friend, Bet. How are you? Hey, I'm <laughs> Bet. I use she, they pronouns. So, I wanted to get straight back into the nitty-gritty. There was something really interesting in this book, which I think, you know, I mentioned so-called rapid-onset gender dysphoria before, which is yes. causing us so much troubles politically, even though it's junk science, I have to say. But I think this book is a great rebuttal against that because Tay Meadow talks about, there's, there's this amazing chapter in here where she talks about the moments when parents begin to think of their child's gender differently. So when parents kind of have a revelation about their child's gender. And she makes the point that this happens m- much later on average for trans masks than for trans femmes because parents simply just don't notice any kind of gender diverse behavior from their kids if they're trans mask because 
the the boundaries are so much broader for what you can do as a so-called masculine girl. Yeah, whereas, right. It's just a tomboy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas for the the trans femmes, their their gender is policed so rigorously, not by parents necessarily, but by other people in the community. So and societally, really. Yeah. So Meadow says that there's a quote here. She says that trans masks typically needed to have significant repeated emotional outbursts or to make ardent claims to a different gender for their parents to notice and to seek psychological support. But the parents of trans femmes faced such high levels of social disapproval from adults outside the family for their child's transgressive gender behaviour. You know, they'd have extended family, teachers, clergy, doctors that would caution that they should step in and address their child's femininity. Right. And then Mm. she's got some amazing stats in there, like for trans femmes, the the average age among her cohort of, you know, that she was studying, the average age that kids would be taken to a psychologist by their parents to discuss gender was five. That's for trans femmes. For trans masks, it was nine. Wow. And the average age that parents and psychologists would start referring to the kids as trans, for trans femmes, it it was nine. Yeah. And for trans masks, it was 13 and a half. Wow. Which is roughly, 13 and a half is kind of roughly where this so-called rapid onset gender dysphoria is it's kind of kicking in, right? That yeah. people are saying in this debunked theory that, you know, there are all these trans masks who aren't really trans masks because their dysphoria only starts kicking in in teen years and it's been influenced by, you know, going online too much or whatever, that it's a so-called social contagion. But actually... Meadow makes it clear that it's just that no one notices the gender dysphoria in trans masks until a later stage, including trans masks themselves, because they're not being policed so rigorously, so they don't notice that they're pressing up against these boundaries. You know, like, whereas if you're a trans femme and you're age five and you want to just even play with a Barbie doll, chances are someone's going to try and police you on that. Yes. Yeah, it's it's true. This is another example of the... uh, like oppressive and narrow scope that you know quote-unquote men have to go through particularly if they're perceived men from birth you know if they're cisgendered right it's the same whether they're trans or not this is the same kind of stuff that's put on them as the same as trans people yeah so i'm there's an amazing uh, quote here but i seem to have lost it Uh, i think i have i don't know that i can find it in among all these (laughs) posted but she says something exactly about that that she says it's paradoxical that we value masculinity so much and yet that the category of male is so fragile. Oh, because like we're, we're protecting it, like it all the time, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We're policing the boundaries of what masculinity is. And the same with, with, you know, it's not just like how masculinity is supposed to be thought of, acted, performed. It's a sa- it's a performance. You know, I yeah. would I would argue that my trans man experience in the world is very performative. But when I'm in queer spaces around queer folk, I'm just me. Yeah. You know, like I have to perform masculinity for safety. Yeah. Um and I and that's that's this passing thing which I've talked about many times on transmission, but it's a safety thing to pass yeah, and totally. to try to pass. It's always about how can I fit this feminine box or this masculine box to the to the closest to the T that I can get so that way I can survive so every interaction. That's a good segue to something else I wanted mm. to talk about in this book. She talks about the anxiety that clinicians and parents feel around kids 
not passing and not integrating properly. And, yes. I, you, and I put that word integrating in quote <laughs> Integr- marks, everyone. <laughs> <Integration>. uh, <laughs> uh, and she makes the point, I mean, I'll just go on a little tangent here about clinicians, but, you know, so she touches on the topic of so-called detransitioners and says, you know, they're very rare and they often detransition for social reasons, but that doctors are disproportionately afraid of them, right? Doctors are very scared that one of their kids that they treat is going to detransition. And she says that the job of clinicians treating trans kids has got much harder since being trans was was not seen as disordered. You know, we're not seen as having a disordered gender anymore. Yes. She says in the past, children were either normatively gendered or they were psychologically ill, right? So it was an easy binary. But these (laughs) days, clinicians who... And I'll read something here. She says, clinicians... Once the arbiters of physical health are now the arbiters of authentic claims to identity. So physicians have to decide whether your kid's claim to identity is authentic. And it's not surprising that they have anxiety around that because that's just not in their job description, right? Like, yeah. they're not God, they're just <laughs> clinicians, right? Um, she says that this has led uh, clinicians to want to taxonomize gender trajectories. So they kind of break trans kids up into discrete units and then they have a recipe for how to help them transition or how to how to help them basically yeah right like they don't that it's hard for them to treat them as as individuals they want to have a a fix-all recipe for yes can we just throw trans people in this box please yeah yeah and she says that they're looking for quote unquote truly trans kids so that they can optimize social integration and that regret is to be avoided at all costs. And she goes on to say that that's a dangerous impulse because it risks collapsing into the phobic notion that trans is a worst-case scenario, which I think is a good point. Yes. And also also she says that it concretizes gender into an outcome that must always be stable, resistant to flexibility, that gender must never be a place to visit but only a place to rest. So fluidity is not really at least among the clinicians that she spoke to, is not really recognised. And as someone who was in the closet for 30 years, mm. I mean, I can testify, people, fluidity exists. You know, there were times when I was completely certain that I was a man, and I'm not going to go back on that. Like, I mean, that's what I believed at the time. Mm. It was probably true, you know? Like, yeah, and it was true for you at that point in your life. Yeah, exactly. You know? So anyway, but... Coming around from that, I wanted to get to parent anxiety because parent anxiety centers on whether or not kids are going to pass, at least in this cohort, right? It was the number one thing that that parents were worried about. Would their kids grow up to have these transgressive appearances that would make them quote-unquote outcasts in society? Now, obviously, a lot of parent anxiety is completely justified, and this is justified too. We know that passing is a safety concern. Mm. But, but the point she makes, which I thought was quite... made me quite sad, was that some of these parents are cutting kids off from the trans community and trying to raise them as in a kind of completely cis-normative way because they don't want them to be too disturbed by the reality that some older trans people have had to go through. Oh, no, there's going to be a generation of really confused trans people. That's what she says. She says, Mm. um, you know, and where is that quote? I'll get to that in a minute. But she, you know, one mother who she interviews says, you know, the mother's kid is in the... 
late puberty and she feels like time's running out and if they don't decide quickly what the kid's going to do is the kid going to go on hormones or not then it'll be quote unquote too late you know and they'll have this they won't pass and the mother says our doctor says you can transition at any time of your life but she knows better you know then you look like a transsexual and (laughs) (laughs) so you can be trans but only in this way yeah, that's yeah, right. Um, only in a way that makes it hidden. Yeah. Now, I don't want to be down... Mm. And, and Meadow is not overly critical of parents, and I don't want to be overcritical of them either, because I know this must be an incredibly hard thing for some parents to go through, uh, having a trans kid. I know it is for some of them. But I think some of these fears I, could be maybe assuaged a bit by having more interaction with older trans people, having more letting kids kind of interact more with the trans community and seeing that you know like you my know life is not tragic and not now that i've you know what this reminds me of it's know. that whole like you know if you it's like um mentioned some stolen generation stuff here but you know when we take young indigenous kids away from their communities because you know maybe they were really white babies white passing babies yeah and then you assimilate them into white culture and you cut them off that what the heck is this? Yeah, I, know. I see that as very similar. You know, if you're taking a, your trans kid and you're trying to make them into this box so they survive in this cis-hetero white world, yeah. then isn't that not taking them away from the authentic culture and expression and auth- identity and that yeah. that kid could and should have? Yeah. You know? I, I agree. And yet, there are, there are some really... There's one story in here. It only goes for a few pages. This is a trigger warning for anyone who is going to read this book. Watch out for Christine's story. If you don't want to read Christine's story, just don't, because it's like the darkest story, one of the darkest stories I've ever heard mm. about a trans kid. This trans kid grew up in the deep south, and when the townspeople, in a small town, and when mm. the townspeople realized that she was trans, everything turned violent, and you know, they were basically chased out of town. I'm not going to go into it further than that, but you yeah. can sort of understand when you hear these stories why parents have so much anxiety around kids' passing. Yeah, safety for and themselves. why so many mm. kids go stealth, you know. Yeah. Um, but, as Meadows says, in some ways, the very idea of transgender to which these kids are exposed is a sanitized version of an adult community's history, whitewashed of some of its traumatic and painful past. And she says that what of trans culture will be lost to this discourse remains to be seen. And I think that's really sad. Yeah, that is really sad. Well, unfortunately, we've also come to the end of the okay, show today. Okay, well then, that's pretty we're pretty well timed, <laughs> but I just want to end on a positive note, okay? Yeah. And excuse me if this makes me cry, but at the end of the book, she just goes briefly into some of the stories that parents tell about why their kids are trans. Because this is a big issue for parents, like, why is my kid trans? Yeah. Now, personally, I don't care why I'm trans. I don't care if there's a scientific basis for it, as some people claim there's a you know, that our brains are different and stuff. I don't really care. But parents care a lot. And there's a Christian couple in here who are very affirming of their kid, and it's very sweet. And at one point, the mother asks her trans daughter, what is it that tells you you're a girl? Is it your brain? Is it your heart? What is it that tells you? And the little girl, whose name is Willow, says, Mummy, it's my soul. My soul tells me I'm a girl deep down where the music plays. Deep down where the music plays. You're going to make me cry. Both of us can't cry, so I'm just going to push buttons. (laughs) All right. That's so so lovely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> That's the end of transmission today. Uh, we're up next is uh, work is power. If you're listening to the podcast, um, all the love in the world to you. We'll be back on Boxing Day as well. Um, we'll have a little bit of a trans special. And um, thanks so much, Jazz. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bet, for coming in. We'll have you back. And yeah, see you all next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Transmission. See you next Tuesday, 9 to 10 a.m. on 4 Triple Z.